Hi, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. And this is Shondaland Revealed, the official Shondaland podcast for TGIT. Thursday nights, that's Thursday night on ABC, all those fine television programs I mentioned before, we get to talk about those in this period of time in which I'm blathering at you. And today, I've got the best person ever here who I love so much. I've known actually for a while because she gets special awards because she's been on two, count them, two Shondaland shows. She has crossed over. She has stayed in her show. She's crossed over again. And then she became a regular. That, of course, is Katerina Scrisoni, who is here with us to talk about playing her phenomenal part. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for Amelia having Shepherd. me. I, uh, clearly, I won't leave. No, no, do <laughs> like, not I'll leave. I'll do all the shows. It's all good. We're going to make you a trifecta. Yeah, so I Somehow or another, are going to show up on everything. It's going to be good. It's going to pop up and how to get away with murder. Yes. As, a, as somebody oh, yes. who's killed somebody law. or something. Yes. Exactly. I'll be a, a murdering. Awesome. Murdering a, a law thing or something. A person. Something. I'll something that's law-like. Drastically different. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I have to tell you what Katerina is wearing because oh. she's always incredibly well-groomed. She always looks really good and sort of like hip in an amazing kind of like rock star way. That's like, say, <laughs> I would categorize her style of dressing as very relaxed and chic. You mean a little bit dirty. Uh, you seem very clean to me. <laughs> I, I, I smelled no, I'm you clean. when you came in. I'm clean. I it's, gave you a good sniff it, and you smelled true. fabulous. It's just that it's like all kind of grays and you, she's wearing you could She's wearing be. a cute gray t-shirt and this really, really wonderful sort of like very loose <laughs> knitted cotton top and these super cool dark gray pants and some pretty freaking awesome boots which are sort of half cap high with a lot of buckles so i'm basically i'm dressed as fort knox she's (laughs) (laughs) nobody's getting in they're keeping so much to herself (laughs) and you've got a delicious um peppermint patty sitting there i do we might be partaking in you have a wonderful bowl of delightful chocolate and candy goods here at shondaland we decide that the best thing in the world is to get people super super hopped up on sugar right the truth will come out the truth will come out and then maybe you'll crash right I'll make Sleep you stay here. longer to be really, really nice for me. <laughs> that would a be couch. a phenomenal thing. Well, okay, this was a great week, you guys, for Thursday night, because we had an incredible episode of Scandal, The Last Supper, which was crazy balls good. I don't know. I was on the edge of my seat over Fitz, Jake fighting over Livia, that whole scene with Daddy Pope. I mean, crazy ball stuff. And it's going to be really, really, well, I know it's coming next week and you guys don't, but it's pretty, pretty amazing. And of course, on how to get away with murder, it was a really interesting episode because I think we got a lot of insight on Wes's relationship with Rebecca, but more importantly, we're also Rebecca and Lila Stangard, which was incredible to get to kind of get the backstory there. Next week, as you guys know with this, is it's a culmination of everything which has transpired heretofore. Heretofore is a word that I don't normally use in a podcast, but I'm just saying it because it's kind of it's kind of legalized. Yeah. That felt very legal because it's a legal show. That's gonna be super freaking awesome. So you guys have to watch next week because wait, do you see what happens on Murder Night? It's super super cool. But primarily, we're here to talk about Grey's Anatomy, which is also kind of cruising up to its sort of fall finale. Yeah. And this, I've got to say, was one of my favorite episodes this season, which was really so much about you and your relationship with Derek. And also, I thought really got into interesting aspects about the program Mm -hmm. and the whole kind of concept of when confidentiality is blown. Right. And now twice on this show, you've run into people you know at the hospital. Like in a weird, you saw both Richard Richard at at, at, at the the meeting. meeting. And now 
this woman who I was so angry at in this, this episode that she totally... She screwed up. She's so screwed up. And I understand that she has issues and it was her mother and father, but right. that was just a crappy pants thing to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. She lacked tact. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the best time and place for that. <laughs> no, I... No. No, not loudly on yeah. the floor. Yeah, she no. could have pulled you inside and said, are you on something? Yeah. But she was clearly I, quite agitated. She was I, not regulating her emotions well. I don't think she was regulating her emotions well. I think it was probably affected by the fact that her father jumped out of a burning building clutching her mother. Yeah. Which yeah. probably would have some sort of effect on my ability yeah. to compute the family, things. It's a passionate family. It's a very <laughs> passionate family. <laughs> you know what I wanted you to do at the end of that episode? I wanted you to lean down or somebody leaned down to the father and mother saying, do you know your daughter's a drug addict? <laughs> Just sort of like a tit for tat there. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Maybe she's alcoholic, who knows? Right, but exactly. I'm telling you, it just didn't seem fair. There should have been some sort of reciprocity some, exactly. in the rat department. Right, but no. I'm going to say... I'll have my day. I, I, I think you will. I'll have my day. I've got you, a long recovery ahead of me. You, I've got time. You do have a long recovery. And I also feel like it really, it ended up fairly familiar. But wow, that interaction with Derek was it was so tricky because I know so much is fueled by your past and how responsible he felt for you when your mm -hmm. father was killed. Mm -hmm. And but that was it's really hard to realize that your brother's not fighting for you. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that that was a huge moment for Amelia too. I think yes, ever since they witnessed that tragedy when they were children, he became protective of her. But reciprocally, I think she felt protected by him and cast him in her life as a sort of you know pseudo father figure. They have an sure. intimacy that no one in their very close family can have with them because they weren't there for that terrible night. You know, and, and an intimacy that I think informs their personalities to such a degree that they both became neurosurgeons. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, after seeing their father shot in the head, you know what I mean? And so there's, there's this trauma bond that they have and they kind of cast themselves in roles, him as kind of the protector and her as the needing of protection black sheep little sister who's kind of a screw up. And I think in this episode, there's a huge shift in that dynamic. And there's kind of a permanent, I'm not going to say inversion, but I think Amelia releases a little bit of the role that she cast in her, uh, herself in with regard to him as the beta sibling. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think, she, I think, you know, she was always the mess up and she thinks of herself that way. And here she is, she's rebuilt her life through a really hard path of integrity and hard work every single day. And actually, she's a fine human being now, a really fine human being and, and a fine surgeon. And here she's seeing her brother kind of acting without integrity. In that I think moment. that's so true. And I feel like it's like the amazing thing about Amelia is she grew into her own dignity. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a weird way, she was destined, and destiny is passive, and it's a very passive notion in a strange way. But it's, you know, this idea that she was a drug addict and she used to, to I think, fulfill her notion that she wasn't all that. You know, mm -hmm. she, it was a little bit like nothing was expected of her and she was expected to screw up. So mm -hmm. therefore she did. Right. And the bravest thing in the world is to be able to pull yourself out of that, right. put yourself together and redefine who you're going to be, which yeah. is a lot of what I think she did during the end of the period of private practice and now coming to Gray's. And in a weird way, there, there is a weird inversion going on yeah. because I think he is really, he is really hurting. And I think her stability and the fact that in a weird way you don't need him so much anymore yeah. made him very upset. Yeah. As, as well as the fact that he's in this horrible situation. You and I were just talking about this before we started recording, but I really feel for him as you do. Yeah, I do too. I think he was in a really hard choice between yeah. Washington and staying. Like that job sounds really good to me. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Yeah, and I think he has kind of always been this, you know, knight in shining armor character in his own mind, you know, with Amelia and with his sisters. And he thinks he's supposed to do the right thing, and in that moment he thought the right thing is to say goodbye to the job and be with my family, and he made this choice. But maybe that wasn't, maybe that may, I don't know. I mean, that he had an idea about the what the right thing was, and maybe there wasn't a right thing. <laughs> You know, there isn't. Right. I don't think, right? Right. But then you also look at Meredith's situation. I think what's really great this season, too, is I feel like Amelia and Meredith have a very specific Mm -hmm. relationship. And it's really nice for Amelia to have a sister that's around. And in this episode, you really feel like Meredith's kind of scooping on on two fronts. Because she's got a new sister, a legitimate, like, actual new sister. And she she has a sister-in-law that she's known a long time. But I think... She really sort of stepped up to the plate in this. And uh, Meredith. Derek, yeah, Meredith. And I think mm-hmm. Derek came clean. So Yeah. Yes. You know, and so ultimately, yeah, I think Amelia, there's a lot of healing at the end of the episode where she, I think one of the things about Amelia that is so cool is that she was kind of decimated <laughs> in, at the end of private practice. And I think all of her flaws that she'd kind of been, you know, trying to shore up were exposed during her relapse. And she went through so much uh, trauma and tragedy. And she has had to build herself up, but she's built herself back up in a really authentic, integrated way. I think she's through program and through everything, she's had to accept herself as a terribly flawed person. And instead of just trying to be perfect all the time. I think she has truly accepted that she, just like everyone, is broken and that that actually can be a source of her strength. And so she's now kind of coming to this relationship as someone who acknowledges all of her flaws and then goes, okay, yeah, but I'm ready for surgery. And okay, yeah, but I'm ready to take the kids out to pizza or whatever it is. That part of being broken is when you actually admit that you're broken, you do get stronger and that it's a strength that you have now because I think... What's interesting is I think Amelia is not frightened to be vulnerable. Right. And that's incredibly important right. in this weird medical environment where everybody is so cocksure about right. everything. Right. And you have to be as a surgeon, but it's that thing that they always talk about about doctors is there's this empathy level and this feeling that you're not touchable. I mean, in this episode, you also see like Joe's first solo surgery. Yeah. And Joe goes through the same thing, which is she just thinks she's all badass, and then Bailey puts her in her place, yeah. and she has this hideous moment of doubt, and you realize how long it takes to get that confidence, yeah. you know? And right. then how long it takes to be confident enough that you don't need to sport that confidence like right. a jacket constantly. Right. And I, I, I think some of that confidence comes from, and you kind of hear this, you know, but, but from failing and getting collecting evidence that you can fail and everything can kind of burn down and you survived and you will get up tomorrow and you will brush your teeth and you will get dressed and you and someday will be waiting for you (laughs) and once you have enough of those experiences of like total decimation and failure that you pick yourself up from I think you do kind of get this resilience and this confidence in your ability to navigate the universe (laughs) in a way that people who have never failed can't yet have because they don't know what that would look like. I think that's true. And it's also part of the thing I think about getting a little bit older. Right. (laughs) Because your expectation, because when you're young, you can't necessarily, you either know you're going to fail or you can't perceive a failure. But I think as you get older, you experience more failure, but then you also experience more triumphs. Right. It starts to become just part of the rhythm. Right. And for a surgeon where you can do everything you you hope to do, and that's Arizona's story in this episode, Uh because... 
She's left alone to deal with a virtually impossible situation. She makes a choice. She saves the baby and loses the mother. Mm -hmm. And when her mentor comes back, having been missing all day, apparently in chemo, and you realize that she's been checked on and that she wasn't totally alone and that she didn't know it, she still lost the mom. Mm -hmm. But that's, in the end of the episode, it's so great because she, it makes her want to learn the procedure that would have potentially saved the mother. And that's part of growth. But you're no good to anyone if you're, you know, sitting on the floor crying about that person you lost in 1979. Exactly. Like, (laughs) my stakes are like, if I don't develop something well, (laughs) the writer will be pissed off. But it's like, it's just like, or I spent too much money on something, which is bad, you guys. You never want to spend too much money on something. (laughs) I swear, ABC, I don't like going over budget. So nobody heard that. But but you think about a human life and you do sort of think, God. Those are some stakes that I don't necessarily think... There's some stakes, but, <laughs> but but hey there, little Missy, you had yeah. a bit of a potential medical background yourself, didn't you? You're not just a fake doctor. I, I'm, I'm almost just a fake doctor, but not quite. You're quite a fake doctor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is the story about how I came to be living in Los Angeles. So what was happening for me, I was in Toronto and I was a big fan of Grey's Anatomy. I was a fan of Grey's Anatomy. I was in college and I was doing finals. I was writing finals and papers. And the way I would take a break is my sister had the like DVD set of mm-hmm. the first season of Grey's Anatomy. And she was mm-hmm. like, you've got to watch this show. And it was the short season. And um, it's eight episodes. So the we way I would early. unwind from, mm-hmm. you know, cramming, I was doing this Grey's Anatomy marathon. And I got to the end of my bachelor's degree and Grey's Anatomy at the same time. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> The fake doctors almost convinced you to be a real doctor. (laughs) So I enrolled in this like mini med school at the medical faculty at University of Toronto. And I went to a six week lecture series (laughs) where I sat there and took notes from surgeons that would talk about like really what what happens and what the procedure is and, and what surgery looks like and how many long, long hours you were standing there holding like someone's (laughs) spleen. Exactly. (laughs) And I I kind of got to the end of this fascinating lecture series and I had this real moment of truth where I was like, I don't think I want to be a doctor. I think I I just want to be on Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) (laughs) And so I picked up and moved to Los Angeles and here I am. I was like, where is all the pathos? <laughs> where is the making out in the on-call room? These See? doctors look terrible. <laughs> it's so funny, too, because I remember, like, that was the, and we, we put you on, like, you were in private first, so yeah. it was kind of like, and then you, I remember the first time you were in Grace, you were like, I'm here. <laughs> I'm great. I'm finally here. It, it has been fulfilled. I've been fulfilled. My, my goal and my dream to work next to Boki. Right, it's like just. Totally. Um, you guys know who Boki is. Yeah, you all know who Boki is. A nurse, our wonderful, talented nurse. Uh, yeah, who's, um, our actual surgical nurses who are phenomenal. And um, when we talk about this a lot um, on the podcast, but there's always this thing when people first start on the shows where we do it. We call it tossing salad because the actors don't quite oh, yeah. yet know how to do any yeah, like yeah. because they're you're training, but usually you get the part and like within a week you've got your you're hands in somebody's body surgery. cavity yeah. exactly. So you're just trying to remember the jargon. You're just trying to remember while you're so it starts to look like tossing salad. Right. 
because all you see, you guys can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but I'm actually tossing salad with right. my bad mime skills. <laughs> so it's a little bit like tossing salad in Grey's Anatomy, but my memory with you was you actually, you were really good pretty fast. I did learn, I had to um, suture my own hand while drunk on private practice. I remember that. That's I, I have very fond memories of you suturing your <laughs> hand, yes. <laughs> Susan, who taught us a lot of the medical stuff on private practice, taught me to suture. And so I took home like pieces of chicken and, and learned to suture them together so that I would somewhat proficiently suture my hand. Very nice. <laughs> and so I can, I can suture your chicken if you have need. Um, <laughs> that's good. You could suture the chicken's brain. I could. Well, and that's the handy part about me and the tossing salad is that when you're a neuro, usually you just have to like move a little probe and cauterize something. And nice. so it's a lot less less it's a lot less tossing no it's it's it, it less of the auto mechanic feel yes, yes because there is something that i it always made me sort of reassured to think of doctors in a weird way of going in and just moving things around right. because sometimes there are these moments on Grey's Anatomy where everybody's hands are in and i'm like oh my god this looks like a 66 chevy yeah yeah you know and people are just it's quite confusing that is a weird moment realizing how much we are kind of a like a beating breathing machine that right? can be tinkered with in such a gross way and i mean gross as in like <laughs> Guts wise. Yes. <laughs> Guts wise. So I'm guessing that you have no squeamishness around blood then. I was a midwife's assistant. Did you know that? Yes, that's right. Right. So I've been like all up the veg. I'm good with the uh, old human fluids. Bleeding and stuff that comes out of things. <laughs> well, yeah. God bless you. That <laughs> makes one of this. us. Oh no. This, this, so far, this is good. fine. You yeah. know, there's no hooch involved. See, so we're not redoing anything that we've done. Um, the other thing that I think is really... I love in this episode is like the one moment with Richard just because I yeah oh I, you, okay I haven't seen the episode I love yet. the moment with Richard where he actually explains what your rights are right and there's just something so lovely about like first of all that he has company in the program makes me really happy yeah but secondarily just the fact that he takes you aside and out of the whole hospital he tells you how to cope mm -hmm. I mean because he's a man who's been publicly humiliated in that hospital too. right so he knows and it's just you guys have such a great relationship on the show he's wonderful and gosh Jim Pickens is oh, so incredible there's so great oh he's so kind and there's such a warmth and acting with him he's so god he's just generous and gentle and uh any other g words <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was really, really great doing that. That was our first kind of big scene together. Well, no, we, we've had a few You've now. had a couple. But uh, he... Because you've been helping him with his relationship yes. with uh, yeah. the it's, new Grey. I do think that there's kind of like a weird paternal... I mean, Amelia's never really had a dad. And so she keeps casting, you know. But there is kind of this, like, he's kind of dadly. Like, he's got a real dad vibe. I think he's super dadly. I mean, I look at Richard and I think of him as my dad, sort I, of, too. Because yeah. I, I sort of feel like he's smart and wise and he's almost died and he refused treatment and he was kind of pissy after yeah. that whole, like, zzz electrical thing. In a dad way. That was in a dad way. Yeah. That you kind of go, he's kind of my grumpy dad. He's kind of a grumpy dad. And then he's sort of, like, at another chance at love. But he's really wise and he's got a sense of humor and he takes a piss out of people yeah i think a lot of people probably think of him as their dad i have him and kermit the frog i always thought was very kermit deadly would be a great kermit. Yeah. <laughs> except he, he talks so I, funny but he does but i felt like he was kind of the dad of the muppets you know he is kind of the dad of the muppets he's the most mature <laughs> yeah. muppet yeah he kind of is like shaking his head at everybody's antics i guess that makes piggy the mom though which is a little weird. well it, it always struck me more as like some movie where they didn't ever really get married right. even though they did yeah yeah they were sort of, because there was that Muppet wedding thing. They don't thing. have genitals. I don't think those puppets do. <laughs> I don't it's a little bit like Ken dolls. Yeah. <laughs> the Ken doll was always very puzzling to they me They can never consummate. 
the Ken and the Barbie just were missing some crucial pieces of equipment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very important. But those are the days where you didn't need equipment, I guess, because no. you slept in single beds and yeah, there were children came from storks. <laughs> from storks and cabbages. And cabbages. Yeah. <laughs> really awesome. <laughs> I think that's an amazing segue to ask you some questions from our Twitter followers. <laughs> sure. Twitter. Uh -huh. For my Twitter followers, <laughs> the very, very sweet we gave us some Mowage. questions for you about the things that are really, really important. Audrey P. Thangal Audrey says, will Amelia become closer to April? Love Katerina and Sarah's relationship and love to see that dynamic on screen. I think they will become, I don't know. I have no information, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but I, I can imagine them becoming close because... Well, I think that April believes in a higher power. I do too. And I, and believe, I, think, and that I think that Amelia, Amelia does too. Yeah. I also think that they're both kick-ass doctors who have been, I think, un underestimated. Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. something about the two of you guys that really... There's a compassion, I think, that's shared. And maybe that has to do with believing in a higher power and the totally common agree. experience that we're all having. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think w when we were talking earlier, what I didn't say was I think one of the things that Amelia has learned is this incredibly deep compassion for everybody because she's gone through what everybody's gone through. She's kind of gone through the worst thing ever. Right. So every time she sees a human, she's like, I know how bad it gets. I do They're trust there. me when I say... I've hit bottom yeah. in a different way than you could ever hit bottom. Because yeah. I hit bottom, and then I hit bottom again. And then I hit bottom with my baby. I know, which is just still... <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, Sean and I like each other, we just go, oh, oh God, that was so hard. It was rough, but we got oh. through it. And I think Amelia is a better person for it. Oh, I do too. Today. I mean, I think she's figured out a way to really make that, a con in any way that it can be a learning experience, yeah. as yeah. difficult as that is even to form with my lips. Right. Yeah. So, Miradere... Yes. Al Carey 14 wants to know, what's the thing you love most about shooting with the Grays cast? Shooting with the Grays cast? Um, everybody's really good. That's a good thing. Yes. As opposed to sucking, which yeah. would be super bad. It's but you got Linda Lowy. <laughs> Let's not, have a talk about not Linda Not a silly Lowy. woman, Linda Lowy, our genius casting director. She is incredible. I, I watched the episode from last week, yesterday. I hadn't had a chance, and I finally watched it, and it was the episode with the veteran who was carjacked. Oh, yeah. And she's lying in the bed, and you can't even really see who she is. She was so good. <laughs> Linda Lowy found this incredible actress that was perfect for that part when she was talking about rejiggering the hard drive, and she said reformat, and she just, it was so, she nailed it. And um, I just think Linda Lowy is incredible, and, um, and our cast is incredible. I think it's really, really strong actors that we get to work with. No, I think that's true. Um, Nicole at Mystic Grays wants to know, will we see Mayor and Amelia Bond? We will. We did tonight. We did tonight. Yeah. They had a moment where you would have expected Amelia to be able to turn to Derek, but she couldn't, so she turned to Meredith. And, and I really like that Meredith seems like she's sort of stepping up. Yeah. I think Meredith right now wants all the friends she can get. Too. Yeah. And I think Meredith and Amelia have an intimacy and an understanding of Derek that no one else possibly could. And that's true. They're the only two really who yeah. are there. They know him best and everybody else sees him as this like brilliant, you know, golden child doctor, but they, they've kind of seen every side of him. No, it's true. And I think Addison was the only other one who knew right. that Addison went off to get her happy. What do you think? Um, Josephine from Josephine says, what is your favorite episode of Grey's? If you're just thinking oh. about all the episodes you watched even, what's your favorite episode? Oh my God, it's too much. There are so many good ones. The one that just sprang to mind, I think, because it was, I just thought of the bomb in the body cavity Great. episode. Super Bowl, double episode. Uh, yeah. God, it was so good. 
the shooter episode. Yeah, the shooter episode is like, that was crazy balls. Oh my God. Yeah, those two were great. I remember yeah. that was the first time I was like, holy Kepner. That was a great, on the walkway. Yep. That was a great episode. Jeez, I, lo- I loved what Sandra and Kevin did recently. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. I loved the sliding, we called it the sliding doors episode, yeah. sort of, even though it wasn't sliding doors, but it was the out of time episode. Yeah. With... Christina and Owen, where you saw the different ways that this might come out. Can you imagine if you could do that with like all of the significant relationships in your life? If you could kind of see the, that branch of the tree, like what, what, what would your life have been if that had happened? Oh my God. Horrifying. That would be like a year, <laughs> years long cliffhanger. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and then you actually got to be like, I choose this life. And I'm going to go back. Yeah, right. And relive it. <laughs> Or something, right? That would be so intense. Yeah, that was a that was a really neat concept. That was a great idea. Yeah, I think so too. Adriel Wilson wants to know: Are we ever going to find out whatever happened to Amelia and James? I mean, I have my ideas about what happened to them, but I just um, think they were so different. I do too. I think Amelia. I mean, this is you know, of course, if you guys write something else for me, I'll I'll be like, actually, what happened? I love him. (laughs) I still love him. It's so amazing. (laughs) We were on this boat, and there were icebergs. <laughs> but um, I think Amelia had just been through hell, and I think she felt so separate from every human on the planet. And here was this normal-looking guy who, incidentally, looks a lot like her father and her brother. Mm. <laughs> yes. Interesting window into our souls. Yes. <laughs> I wonder what was happening just there. Just going to keep my mouth <laughs> shut on that one. <laughs> But she, here's this normal guy who has normal parents and he's a, he's a normie. He, he pursued her. life. Yeah, exactly. You know? And he chose her and she was like, could I? Could I just be a normal? You know what I mean? Yes. And she tried so hard to be a normal. And the fact is, she is not a normal. She is a kaleidoscope of beautiful unnormal. <laughs> And so eventually, I think she realized that she couldn't fit inside of his normal. And she needed to find somebody who was similarly fractured and beautiful with the lights and colors of brokenness. Beautifully put. (laughs) I studied literature. I hope James is happy with somebody who's a little more normal, maybe a tiny bit more dark and twisty than he is so that that he gets gets a little edge, he gets a little something, he needs a little bit. He sure seemed like a nice dude. Yes. But just, I think they're very different. And I think that she's so grateful to him because I think that uh, he really witnessed her as she healed from devastation. And that, that that takes a really good man. Um, Josephine also wants to know, what do you like the most about Amelia Shepard? I, I like a lot about her. I think I think I like that she's post-appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the best expressions I've ever heard. She's post-appropriate. I think, you know, I think, you know, she was filterless and one might think that she doesn't get what is appropriate, but I, I think she, she does. does. It's just that she has seen she's opted. such black darkness that she's now post thinking that playing the appropriate game is going to help. She's in her truth. <laughs> I think that's great. Graziana Katmiris at Robbins Torres. It sounds like she's a fan. <laughs> Do you think Amelia after Christina could be the right woman for Owen? That is not a question for me. That is above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Do I, do I think? 
I think that I think that they've they've both been through a tremendous amount. I think they both understand deep love and deep torment and heartbreak and grieving. And so I think that there is a commonness there that could be really interesting. Whether it's as, you know, bosom buddy friends and they get to support each other from that perspective of mm -hmm. someone who's mm -hmm. been through the ringer or it's romantic is not for me to decide. But I definitely see that they they've lived kind of interesting tandem journeys of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pain and healing. Um, Anna Montgomery wants to know, and she's at Melly Grant, so everybody's, <laughs> we know her every, show. everybody's being represented fairly here. <laughs> Do you think Amelia misses the private practice gang? Amelia for sure misses the private practice gang. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while you do a nice little shout out on Twitter. Yeah. We kind of love each other forever. Yeah. It was, I got to say, one of the best sets yeah. ever in the history of sets ever. Yeah. There was a lot nicest of like... group of people, like so much fun. Yeah. We were like just cuddling all the time. Like, you, you guys we... were like, first of all, Edelstein is just a little cuddle bug yeah. right there. Yeah. You got Brenneman, who's yeah. great. I mean, oh, Ben Ben. Ben Ben. And even Benjamin Bratt, who came on late, he folded right in. Ben Bratt right was in. so freaking awesome. We Tay was great. Like, Tay, awesome. Kate, it's like Katie. Katie. Yeah, they, I gotta say, going to set um, on private practice, I used to call it going to the spa because it was so relaxing. And we were all massaging each other all like, the time. <laughs> and also I would sit down next to our script, our script supervisor, who's now our script supervisor on how to get away I'm with murder. I'm so jealous. I would sit down and she'd go, where have you been? And that's what she always <laughs> says because I never get to go to set because I'm always doing other stuff and I love going to set. And I would go and sit on set and it was by being licked by a crate of puppies. Yeah, totally. Because everyone was so happy yeah. and people were really fun. Yeah. And it just, it was a really, really good energy. It was yeah. really fun. And um, at Melly Grants wants to know, do you see the Amelia Maggie friendship as a long lasting one? I do. I mean, if you guys let me, she's awesome. <laughs> I really, I. Oh, the tinge of bitterness occasionally <laughs> that creeps out of. Well, I'd like to talk to her. I want to do a scene yeah, with her. Let's do the more scene. No, we really get along really well, me and Kelly. And I, and I think our characters, you know, we're practically related because she's a gray ish. And you're and a shepherd. And I'm a shepherd. And so we're sort of you're. sisters. We're half sisters in law. That's related. That's totally related. In the food chain of life. Yeah. I think that's seriously related, And we're right? both heads of departments at this hospital. We're both new. Both heads of departments at the hospital. You both have great hair. We're both single. We it's true. Go out on the town. You both, I think, are struggling under the weight of Dear Mare. Yeah. No Dare. Sure. And they're weird dynamic and right they're now. And they're weird dynamic right now, which is, by the out. way, both of you just stepped into the weirdest dynamic in Weird Town. Totally. And they've gone through stable periods, but it's not a happy period for Mare Dare. Yeah. It is not. It's really not. They're having a hard go. They need a night out. <laughs> they, they, need, they need a nanny. They need a date night. I think they need a nanny. Like a nanny would be a good idea. <laughs> this childcare situation stresses me out constantly it's, with I all mean, these people. Really? Somebody needs to hire somebody. I think yeah. my solution at this hospital is that everybody should pool for a babysitter. I think so. And there should just be some room. Yeah. Where all the board members put their children. Because what we about can nanny share? What about Cali in Arizona? I mean, Calzona also would they could benefit from a, a nanny. Um, well, look, thank you so much for doing this and taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you so much. This you has um, been have lots of shooting to fun. do, and yet you managed to show up and beautifully attired, and as always, incredibly articulate. And <laughs> you kept me from yelling at people on the phone for a good half an hour, which Excellent. is I'm just good to be for them service. and good for me. <laughs> thank you. You stepped right in. Awesomely done. Um, please remember, you guys that next week is the Shondaland TGIT winter finales of all three shows. Now, that doesn't mean that the shows aren't coming back after the break, 
with the second part of the winter. But we're calling it the winter finales. And for each one of these shows, you are going to want to watch this show live because we have some cliffhangers coming up that you want to be able to talk to your friends about the next day. You don't want to wait. This is a really good night. I know sometimes it's exhausting to sit through all three shows. I know sometimes I DVR them. We do that all the time. I'm just telling you guys, you want to get your beverage of choice, maybe some snacks. Catheter. A catheter. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe... Don't drink your beverage of choice that fast <laughs> or time it with commercial breaks, I think is always a good idea. That's probably, probably more practical. Never maybe mind. more practical Scratch than that. the catheter. You know, that's from a fake doctor, by the way, who suggested a catheter. <laughs> that's why I did not become a doctor. There you go. Nicely done, Amelia <laughs> Shepard. Um, but you guys really, really want to tune in because I'm going to tell you that I have, I know what's coming and it's really, really freaking good. Okay. And I don't, I don't lie because I cannot censor myself as you know, remember to tune in next Thursday night, ABC, eight o'clock Grey's Anatomy, nine o'clock scandal, 10 o'clock how to get away with murder. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us, like us on Facebook. You can get caught up on ABC.com. Watch ABC. Have an incredibly great week. Stay safe. I will be back next week with another phenomenal guest from Shondaland. In the meantime, this is Betsy Beer saying thank you so much for tuning in, and I will be talking to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>